Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world, with your host, Alan Smith, a veteran of OTR trucking, business entrepreneur, and the most recognized name for assisting CDL students and new graduates. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. Well, it's been a while, hasn't it? But we are back. The 2012 Trucking Social Media Convention has come and gone, and we're already in the planning stages for 2013. And in the middle of all that, we have Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. So a busy time for everyone I know, but here we are once again. Uh, thanks for tuning back in to Truth About Trucking Live. We always uh, slow down a little bit during this time of the year with the holidays and all of that, but we are glad to be back with you right here on Blog Talk Radio. So we didn't go anywhere, just been a little busy and taking a little break. So today is Thursday, November fifteenth, two 2012. I'm Alan Smith along with Donna Smith. And Donna, if she's made it there, you'll... Uh, You'll be gearing up for all the Thanksgiving feasts and everything that comes with the holidays. So are you ready? I'm getting ready. Hi, everyone. Oh, you made it. See, you always cut it right down to the last second. I didn't know if you were there or not. Yeah, I had I had a little problem uh, with my computer again. Um, it seems to be like a, every time we have a show, there's a problem. So I just accept it and go on. That's that's because you wait till two seconds before the show starts. But our call-in number is three four seven eight two six nine one seven zero. If you'd like to uh, be a part of the show, and um, it's that time of year. The holidays keep coming faster with every passing year, but just before Thanksgiving arrives, we have a, a great show lined up for you this evening. One more go-around with the EOBR mandate issue, and we're going to talk more about this topic from the views of truck drivers and by our guest from the XRX, XRS Corporation, a leading expert in trucking fleet performance management based out of Minnesota. And joining us are Christian Shank and, boy, Donna, I hope I got his last name right. You'd think I would have asked before the show. <laughs> he'll he'll correct me if I'm wrong. But Christian is a vice president of market development and product marketing, and he has more than a decade of experience in telematics and fleet management. And before joining XRS, he spent a lot of years in the fleet technology and wireless industries, and he was owner of Elcon Systems, a leading producer of uh, toll collect solutions for the North American and European commercial transportation markets, and as the co-founder of Selectcom Communications, one of North America's largest wireless distributors, he was instrumental in the company receiving the top 100 fastest growing company awards for four years in a row, and he's known in the industry for his extensive knowledge and in-depth, hands-on experience in process management, business development, and transportation logistics. And he's also an active member 
of many trucking-related associations, including the National Private Truck Council and the International Food Service Distributors Association. And he also sits on several industry advisory panels and committees, including the CTIA Alumni and Telematics Americas. And that's just a small portion of his bio. And also joining us from XRS is Megan Durkee, Marketing Communications Manager. And Megan oversees the company's social media and public relations programs and provides content development and supports the company's various marketing uh, campaigns and events. And Megan received her bachelor's degree in journalism and mass communication with an emphasis on public relations and digital media from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. She serves in a number of volunteer roles, including VP of Professional Development for Minnesota Women and Marketing Communications, Sorority Coordinator Collegiate Communications for Gamma Pi Beta, and is a member of Minnesota PRSA, Public Relations Society of America, and a member of the MIMA Minnesota Interactive Marketing Association. So great guests for you this evening as we look at the future of EOBRs, the issues that drivers have with a possible FMCSA EOBR mandate, what XRS is doing in relationship to drivers and the industry. So a lot to talk about this evening for our broadcast, replacing EOBRs with mobile fleet optimization with our guests, Kristen Shank and Megan Durkee of XRS Corporation. And it's all coming up next on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. I hear from a lot of newcomers to the industry who still have that entrepreneur spirit that has made the United States of America the great country that she is. And many of them still have one goal in mind, and that is to someday have their own rig and become an owner-operator. Truth About Trucking Live is all about providing honest, reliable information about the OTR trucking industry, especially for those just beginning their truck driving careers. Running your own trucking business is part of the entrepreneurial spirit that has kept America moving since trucks were first used by the military in World War I. If you're considering starting your own owner-off business, there's only one name that you need to know, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. LoneMountainTruck.com offers the best lease purchase plans in the industry. There's no huge balloon payment at the end, and when you make that final monthly payment, they hand over the title, the truck is yours. They require a very reasonable down payment, and the monthly payments are kept at an affordable $1,000 per month and sometimes even less. A great inventory to choose from, including Peterbilt's, Volvo's, International's, and Freightliners, and all of their trucks are mechanically checked out, dependable, and ready to go to work. And unlike trucking company leases, if you choose to change motor carriers, the truck goes with you. It's your truck. Check them out at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free, 866-512-5685. LoneMountainTruck.com, the honest guys for the sweet lease deals. LoneMountainTruck.com. Man, it's crowded tonight. Care if I join you? Sure, have a seat. Sorry about the paperwork. <laughs> Name's Cole. Appreciate it. I'm Harlan, by the way. Here's a fill-up for you guys. Thanks, honey. Harlan, you look hungry. What can I get you? 
I'll have a Coke and whatever he's having. Back in a bit. What are you doing with all this paperwork, driver? Looks like you're tripping over your trip sheets. I want to get a jump on these taxes before they jump me. There is a better way to manage your trucking paperwork. With TripSheetCentral.com, you're a login away from tracking every aspect of your business. TripSheetCentral.com organizes your information easily so you can see how your business is performing. That sounds easy. And it's fast. Time-consuming paperwork is eliminated with a low-cost monthly subscription. I no longer have to worry about invoices, settlement reports, or fuel tax returns. TripSheetCentral.com does that for me. Manage your business information securely with TripSheet Central. Visit TripSheetCentral.com at your next stop. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back. Phone lines are filling up. I'm scrolling down through here. I see uh, see just one number from the guest. I'm not sure who it is, but let's welcome whoever that is. It might be uh, Christian. Is that is that you on there? Hi, Alan. It's Christian and Megan. We're uh, we're sharing one phone tonight. Oh, okay. So you're both you're both there. Hi, Megan. And first of all, Christian, did I get your last name right? You are one of you know probably a hundred people who actually did get it right. Oh, I did. Okay. You did. Well, I have to give the credit to Donna because I asked her. I said, "How how would you pronounce this?" So, oh, okay, good. I got it right. Well, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. And Megan, uh, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing well. Thanks for inviting us. Well, good. I mean, I was sitting there. I was scrolling through our phone. We have 50 phone lines here. They're filling up here, so I was scrolling down through there, and I only saw one 952 number. But you're both here, so welcome to the show. And and I, I know Christian, you're the guy to talk to about the XRS mobile technology. But Megan, let's uh, let's start with you first because your your main position, I take it, is with the social media technology. And I had the had the pleasure of meeting you at the second annual Truck Drive Social Media Convention and. You were there representing XRS, who were a silver sponsor for the event. And uh, I'm assuming that XRS sees social media as a way of reaching out to professional drivers and listening to what they're saying and wanting to learn from that. So you are largely behind the XRS social media platform, correct? I am. We talk to a number of drivers on a daily basis through our Facebook and Twitter and other social platforms, and we've learned a lot over the last year and a half that we've been socially connected and we've developed a lot of product features off of what we've learned from those drivers. So it's been a really great space for us to be in. And you're on uh you're on uh are you on the the main ones like, you know, Facebook, Twitter and all that? Yep, we have uh Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google Plus. We have a blog that we update pretty frequently on our website. Well now uh, how are you listed and are you are you X Nation? Do I have this right? Are you X Nation are, on Facebook? We are X Nation on Facebook and we are XRS Corp on Twitter. Okay, well I noticed Don and I was uh we were kind of scrolling through the internet a little while ago and we came across your uh your blog post on the on X Nation, I guess it was. You have a um 
this is kind of one of the things we noticed with you and XRS that y'all really tend to want to kind of get involved with the with the drivers and and you know correspond through social media with them. We saw that you had like a uh, uh, Donna, what was it, eighteen wheels of gratitude award? Yeah, there's quite a few um, <clears throat> nominations. How many nominations do you have for that? And can you explain a little bit to everybody what it's about? Sure, yeah. We've well we've got four um finalists in the contest right now. And for this contest we asked um drivers who we interface on Facebook to nominate the person in their life who supports them the most and who they're most grateful for getting in getting into the uh season of Thanksgiving here. So we've got four finalists that the drivers chose as their main support system. I think one is a wife, one is a girlfriend. Uh, we had one self-nominate herself. She had kind of a rough upbringing, and so she said that she was her, her main support system. So um, we're taking votes on our Facebook page through likes. So you just go to the Facebook album, which is at the top of our page, and read through the nominations and like whichever finalist you think most deserves um, to win the award. And that is going through next Wednesday evening. Okay, so this is right on your Facebook page. Yeah. Okay, on your Facebook at X Nation, and it's the 18 Wheels of Gratitude Award and Tablet Giveaway. What, what, uh, what gave you the idea for for this award and this giveaway? Well, we like to we like doing giveaways on our page, and our fans seem to appreciate that as well. And um, we've normally given away um, prizes to the drivers that we interface with. So for this one, we decided to share with their families and friends who help support them and keep them on the road every day. Well, you, um, Donna, you met Megan at the convention, right? Yes, and uh, Sarah O'Neill, I believe it was, was with you. I, I believe she wrote the article also, correct? Yes, yes. She helps us with a lot of our social media. She's on our team as well. Okay. She's not on the line tonight, though, correct? No, she is not here. She is home with her little kiddos. Oh, okay. Well, how did you um, – uh, was there anything new that you learned that impressed you about the convention or surprised at how much drivers go through other than their concerns about EOBRs? I mean, anything that specifically stood out and impressed you most about the convention? Oh, gosh, we learned so much. Um it's really great meeting so many of the drivers and um, hearing all the different speakers. I really enjoyed um, Elaine Pape's talk about the um, medical examiner issues that are coming about right now. That wasn't something that I was um, really in the know about, so I, I learned a lot from that session. Well, we were glad to have you, and we appreciate XRS as a sponsor. They were bronze last year, moved up to silver this year, so. We were, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty picky on our sponsors. We were looking you guys over, and y'all are really, y'all really seem to be, uh, I mean, really concerned and interested in what drivers have to say. That was one of the things that caught our eye. And, and uh, you know, Christian, let's get you in here. I mean, I really appreciate you joining this evening. But why, I guess to, to begin with, why don't you give us all a, uh, just a rundown on exactly who XRS is and, and what do you guys do? Sure. Um so your company's roughly 20 years old. It was started here in Minneapolis as a family-based business, and um, it was really started 
you know, to help fleets manage costs associated with operational efficiencies and mostly focused in private fleets. When the company grew up, a lot of our customers were grocery stores, food distributor companies, um, and the company evolved. What was once a mechanical system later became an electronic system, um, you know, and, and it really evolved through the stages as to where, you know, where what used to be a, a remote download where you would walk up to a truck and you'd stick a key in a computer and download the data, then walk into the office and download the data to eventually that becoming something that was done over wireless networks. Um, and then really what we've done is we've taken that company now today in our last evolution to a company that can produce the same technology but on um, technology that already exists in the truck. And by that, I mean smartphones or tablets. So, you know, we've really evolved the company from something that used to be very much a hardware-centric company to something that is a software company, um, really focused on building mobile applications to help the driver and help the fleet, you know, stay compliant and, most importantly, stay profitable. Well, I was kind of surprised to learn from your, and I learned it from your website, but you guys were saying that um, like 90% of drivers are now having the, you know, I guess the mobile technology either through their cell phones or smartphones or whatever. Did did you did you did y'all run a um, a survey or anything to find that out, or how how did you come up with that figure? Yeah, so there's uh, the study was done by uh, an analyst firm called Aberdeen. As an analyst, his name is Amit Jain, and he's uh, well-known. He worked uh, in the transportation industry for a long time and sampled thousands and thousands of drivers. And the study is very consistent also, also with what consumer adoption is looking like. So no different than, you know, myself as a consumer not being a truck driver or even my wife or my kids and how they're buying and adopting technology. And what came out of the study was that, 86% of professional drivers carry a personal mobile device. And that could be a cell phone, it could be a smartphone, it could be a tablet, it could be both. What we do know is of that 86%, um, 44% are smartphones. And that number is actually growing. And if you look at just the consumer adoption of smartphones, it's pretty close to 50% now. In some sectors, it's over 50, 52. Um, and what's interesting, again, to break it down a little bit further, is the type of smartphones that drivers are buying, you know, which, you know, indifferent to consumers, is they're buying a lot of Android-based devices, which tells us a lot, too, about that user interface and how they want to interact with technology, not just with our product, but, you know, big a big part of the social media convention. Everything that we do here is how do we communicate with drivers or fleet managers or, you know, anybody in the industry using the media or means that they already have, which was why when we really looked out to say, what does the next generation fleet management solution need to look like? We, we quickly came to the conclusion that's got to be a, it's got to be a smartphone and tablet based solution and application really that can run amongst everything else that exists. Okay. So uh, let me make sure I have this correct. And, and uh, and Megan, you you jump in anytime you want. That's just how we do it on the show. So we're not we're not just scooting you along there. So if you want to jump in, that's fine. Um, so am I correct in saying? And I hope I am because I put this up all over the place. But I mean, XRS, you, you guys have a pretty large customer base. So so you're you're moving, you're actually moving away from the EOBRs as we know it, and you're getting into this mobile fleet optimization. Correct. Yeah, that's correct. So I just when we talk about EOBRs, we really think of that as the the breakdown of the word itself, electronic onboard recorder. 
traditionally that meant an onboard computer. The right. big dome that all the drivers hated drilling, you know, mashing holes through the truck and finding some place to mount a, you know, five-pound keyboard in the truck. That is what we consider the old days. Um, we used to be part of that. And what we've migrated to and what we're getting our customers to migrate to is this simpler mobility-based, mobile-based fleet optimization. Okay, and well, that that brings me back to Megan. Megan, let me ask you this because I'm leading up to this. Um, so, uh, you have to. I mean, you're you and Sarah. You, you know, you're so involved in the social media platform for XRS. I mean, like, what are some of the the things you have learned or the comments you're hearing from from drivers about you know the EOBR or this mobile technology through your social media platform? Well, we hear that there's a lot of skepticism about EOBRs in general, but then we hear that there's a lot of excitement and interest in mobile devices, and we we talk a lot about new technology and emerging devices on our channels. So we have drivers getting really excited about all the new devices coming out, but then still thinking that you know electronic logs and EOBRs are something that they don't want to deal with. So that, that's kind of a common theme that we hear. You know, the, the other thing, Alan, um, to take into note, and we've come across this a lot, too, and I think everybody's got a, a different flavor on what does Big Brother mean and where does, you know, EOBR mandate fit in. And I'm sure a lot of listeners will, will bring some color to that later in our discussion. Um, but I, I will tell you, we, we do interface with a lot of drivers, you know, both here when we plan our products, what do they need, what does it need to do, um, but also post-implementation. So a lot of these fleets, and we've really tried to focus a lot of our efforts on providing solutions that are attainable by owner-operators. And we've got a, a, a number of fleets, two trucks, three trucks, small owner-operator, you know, type firms that have said, you know, this is the way that we want to do this. We also have some really big fleets, you know, 4,000, 5,000 trucks, where we've had drivers go on YouTube without being solicited to say, I thought this was the worst idea ever. Half of my friends quit, and now I would never operate a truck without it. And I'm not a truck driver, so I can't begin to say which way is better or not. I just know that it's a mix. It's mixed reviews out there, and some drivers are really liking it um, and have become dependent on it. And some drivers want nothing to do with it, and and will probably go kicking and screaming into a mandate. Well, uh, well, one thing we know, you're not going to please everybody, but you you said a key word. Uh, Donna, he just said solutions. We talk about all that a lot. Now, you know, and this, this FMCSA EOBR mandate isn't written in stone, but, Donna, we were talking about it earlier about, um, I mean, if it is, you know, uh, put into a regulation, uh, there has to be a plan B that, you know, we were talking about that earlier. Well, I think I think there's a, a few issues with the driver's, and yeah, I mean it's in the transportation bill. There was the um, appropriations that didn't allow the funding, or, uh, but, but you know I'm sure people are going to try to figure out how to get around that. But I think it's more than just Big Brother looking over at you. I think there's um, Alan, and you have all these issues uh, with you, but <clears throat> the drivers saying that they the it will be abused the system. And, of course, you know, everybody knows the different examples. They've been discussed, you know, a thousand times on a thousand different shows. Um, you know, OIDA started with the driver harassment and 
how pe- people will just abuse it and go into the system and change things. Um, th- this is this is a legitimate problem, and I do believe the FMCSA realizes it's a it's a problem that could happen. Um, we we had a show on about three months ago, and indeed, you know, they can go in and change, you know, if you're on duty, off duty, and all like this. And supposedly, only the driver can do that, but however, um, dispatch can go in and do that also. I think this is even the uh, a, a bigger complaint than even um, you know, Big Brother type of thing. Uh, I was hoping that, and see, I'm not a technical person, but there could be things incorporated in this system, kind of like a uh, check and balance, if you will, uh, to assure that these kinds of things, even if they can't be eliminated, they could be flagged, and it would kind of deter that kind of um, action from going on. Is that possible? Yeah, so that's a good, a good couple of statements. Right now, the, um, the FMCSA has put out a regulation, and, and the, the actual um, number is called 395.15, 395.15, and it is the specification in which a solution has to operate relating to electronic hours of service. And there's, you know, often you'll read different blog posts and you hear what the drivers are being told and, you know, what Elida may say. And, you know, I think there's probably a little bit of truth and a little bit of fiction to everything that you can, you know, pretty much read or listen to anywhere. But if you go right back down to that regulation, there's very strict policies and specifications for companies like us and how we adhere to these these rules. Um, for example, um, drivers um, cannot edit their logbooks. Um, but administrators of the system can, meaning, um, you know, driver managers, safety managers, um, anybody who's authorized to do so. Now, to your point, Donna, there's got to be checks and balances. Well, the FMCSA says in 395.15 that we have to track all edits, all changes, date, time, location, who changed it, what it was changed to, and what was it originally. And not only that, once a change has been made, the driver has to be notified and has to acknowledge those changes were made. So there's a, there is a, um, an audit trail from A to Z on anything that is done to a driver's logbook um, associated with a compliant system. Now, the majority of the big players out there, um, ourselves being one of them, we have roughly 117,000, 18,000 trucks on the road using our logbooks. Qualcomm is another one well-known, and so is PeopleNet. And those, those, re- those companies have good reputation on making sure their solutions are compliant. And uh, we, we spend a great deal of money, effort, and resources to make sure that we, um, you know, follow those rules to the letter of the law and that we don't put our, our customers in any sort of jeopardy and that we make sure that the drivers don't get taken advantage of in that world. Um, the other piece I would like to share is where we have found more success with EOBRs being installed fleet-wide and in different fleets is not so much in the accountability associated with the driver, big brother on the driver, but becoming a fleet that goes to an automated hours of service solution, you're also holding your dispatchers accountable, your operations people, your planning, your schedulers. And that's where a lot of this um, ambiguity or a lot of the um, 
abuse, if you will, really stems from. You're going to put drivers on a on a load that can't possibly make it there in time because you have to hit some sort of you know metrics for you to be uh, you know to be measured as some level of success. And what e-logs will help the driver do is not only you know manage that component of it, but it also holds the dispatchers and planners accountable. So if they're putting you on you know, as a driver, they're putting you in a situation that can compromise your ability to be compliant, um, exceed your available hours, or, you know, it, it's tracked. And they're, you know, in, in every bit and all the audits that we've helped our customers through, um, it's it, there are, you know, obviously you'll come across some driver situations, but it's often operations who end up in a situation where they're the ones under review. Okay. Um, how about huh, that? You know, you you said it makes everybody accountable and that the driver would have to say, um, yes, you know, that was changed. It, that's part of the check and balance system. However, um, do you think there would be any kind of um, pressure put on that driver to uh, have to agree with whatever was done behind the scenes? Or any kind I of think, retaliation? Yeah, I, I, Right. I mean, I think, you know, th there's always going to be the case of, um, you know, how is managing management, you know, trying to force the use of, you know, um, you know, any any sort of uh, authority on 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 the drivers or in that for that fact anywhere in any business situation. There's there's oh you always run that risk. Um, you know, I think it comes down to who has legal right to that logbook and who's ultimately responsible for their hours of service, and that's the driver. Um, you know, I think the and I we've seen this happen before at some of our customers where there has been you know a, a throw of authority thrown at the drivers in the event there was a an edit made to a logbook that would benefit the ability for someone to complete something, and the driver not acknowledging um, the accuracy of the edit and you know it has gone through some um, you know where we have seen it go through. Um, some sort of a segregation process associated with the driver being reprimanded, and it end up because again it is tracked. Um, the driver was found in in the right, and these you know one of the things that we find is um, everybody's trying to make money, right? And, and and that's what it comes down to. And they're trying to make money in the safest possible way, um, drivers and, and trucking companies included. And I think. You know, until there's a common baseline, and we can go back to different countries who have accomplished this in the past, and, you know, Germany, Austria, a number of companies who've had similar laws, it's not until you have a common platform that everybody operates on that is has a, a, a baseline measurement. Um, EOBR is one way to accomplish that. And, you know, in Europe, they use a system called a tachograph. Um, and... You know, once there's a baseline, then, you know, profitability is based on efficiency, not on one fleet's ability to cheat a system versus another. And a driver is always, you know, managed in the same way um, because those fleets are no longer going to be in a position where they have to deliver something in a period of time that they can't because the shippers are going to be held accountable. So it really closes the loop. It's not just the trucking company. It's the whole supply chain and how can it, there be visibility across it. Right. I, I think I don't have – Alan, I, I meant to make a copy of your notes. I was looking over them on your desk before, and I, I didn't. But I'm trying to remember. Um, one of the issues is – and I don't know if they have this problem in Europe, 
But if you run out of time, um, there's a chance that you're not going to find parking. So what do you do? And here's an example. About three months ago, uh, a driver we know ran out of time. He waited a long time at a Walmart um, area dock, and he ran out of time. And they had told him, go ahead and find parking. And uh, lo and behold, after he did it, they called him in for, you know, a violation, and, and he was terminated. Now, there's a case where, you know, I personally believe the driver set up, um, but the, the the legitimacy of the fact that, you know, there isn't enough truck parking, it is a priority list now in the transportation bill, and drivers many times are not allowed to stay in the shipper or the receiver's yard. Um, we all know that. Matter of fact, this driver, uh, Walmart told him he, they were going to call the police on him if he didn't move, and he tried to tell him he was out of hours. But they don't, you know, that's not their problem. So I'm just wondering, you know, if Europe has these same issues about truck parking and, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, a little different ball of wax going here, Um but I mean, but those issues have—they've been going on for decades and decades, and it's not, and you know, one one thing isn't going to change that though. So, well, you know, I, and 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 the thing here is uh, the human element involved, and Christian has said it in some of his posts and articles that I've read that um, it all really, like you said, Christian, it's, it's it's going to boil down to being totally committed to safety, you know by the carrier and by the driver. I mean, anything can be created for good use, but there's always room for abuse, so it really boils down to uh, commitment on, you know, on all the parties involved. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, it, it's, there, it, it's unfortunately the law, um, you know, in, in anything like this, is, is it is black and white. And that's how the drivers, unfortunately, in many cases are being, you know, held accountable on, at roadside inspections or when they run out of hours. And I think uh, my opinion is in order for the EOBR mandate to be any level of success, um, it, it has to have implications throughout the supply chain and it not be a tool to harass drivers or to ensure they are, you know, adhering to the to the, to the laws within the the new regulation, but it should be in place to say there is now clear line of sight throughout the supply chain, up to and including are the shippers setting inaccurate expectations or unrealistic expectations that could put a fleet at risk and therefore a driver at risk. And um, you'll start to see more and more of that. I mean, you can see a little bit of it now with the big brokers, um, you know, who are brokering freight. Um, you know, they're starting to, you're starting to see their, their names pop up in some of these articles associated with how the FMCSA intends to roll out some of the impacts of CSA um, in the new seven basics and how some of that information um, can be aggregated to not only impact a fleet safety rating, but also a broker. Um, and we all know if everything's coming down at some level to safety in dollars and cents, um, there's some pretty big brokers out there and there's some big shippers out there that are not interested in having, you know, varying degrees of lawsuits against them because they're putting um, inaccurate um, or unsafe expectations on the roads in the United States. So, 
Okay. You know what I was wondering, and Alan, it's probably on your list. Um, the cost is. It, I know one of the um, one of the issues that drivers had was the cost of the uh, EOBRs that it was going to put a lot of people out of business. I'm guessing, and I don't know. And like I said, Alan, you probably were going to ask this, but is this new fleet system, um, you know, more economical for uh, the owner operators and the fleets? Yeah, so that that is a big part to do with why our product strategy and market strategy changed. Um, a big component to why these traditional onboard computers that used to run the, or that run these EOBRs, you know, from some of our competitors and even ourselves, is there's a significant cost to producing that hardware, and it's got a modem inside it. It's dedicated, you know, and it does you know a, a number of things. And then there's a screen in the truck, and there's mounts, and there's you know. 30 feet of cable and, you know, some form of a, either a dome or a bunch of antennas that are attached to it. And, you know, you drill 85 holes and eventually you have an EOBR in your truck. The new model, really what it, what we've done is we've taken a lot of the complexity from a software perspective that used to run in those onboard computers. And we've built it into a mobile application. And then we've created a small appliance, which is no bigger than a deck of cards that sits on the driver's dash, and it plugs into the J1708 or 1939 diagnostic port. And there's an adapter, so it doesn't occupy the port, and you know, so they can still use it. And what it does is it communicates through Bluetooth, so no different than hands-free, you know, calling, you know, that you have in your car or in your truck. Our that little appliance communicates to your smartphone or tablet, and it relays all the necessary information coming out of the engine so that it can be compliant. And therefore, the cost of hardware is reduced significantly. So what we've actually done is taken a solution that, you know, what we used to sell for, in many cases, $2,000, and many of our competitors are still there. And we've actually reduced the cost where we give away that appliance, meaning there is no upfront cost or hardware for these drivers or fleets to buy. So we've taken the argument of cost or funding out of the EOBR mandate. And simply the drivers now leverage their existing smartphones or tablets. If they don't have one, they've got to procure one. But as we all know, the leading wireless providers will be glad to give you a free one if you're willing to sign an agreement. Um, and so you can be compliant without spending any money out of pocket. And then you're really into a subscription fee, which runs in the mid to high $30 range. And, you know, you're fully compliant. And you haven't spent anywhere near $2,000 that... Um, I think OIDA had listed in their rebuttal against the mandate. So if there's 20 bucks, um, each one has like, let's say, a $35 a month subscription. Is that how it works? Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Well, listen, let's grab a caller here. I've been holding here a little bit. Let's go to um, to uh, Illinois, area code 618. Uh, go ahead. Welcome to the show. Yes, good evening, guys. This is Shelly here. Um, oh, hey, she hey Shelly. Hi. Uh, one of my questions I have with your current or, you know, your revised model there is uh, it sounds all well and good to have this apparatus that can connect through Bluetoothing, but we all out here running the road are aware that there is a lot of times you drop signal. So how is that information be, uh, being stored and then transferred when there is no signal being received or sent from the phone? 
That's a good question. Yeah, good question, Shelley, and it's one that um, when we first built out the solution, we really had to get a good handle on. So, um, although you may be out of signal, meaning Verizon, Sprint, AT&T, T-Mobile, depending on what wireless provider you have, they may not have coverage in an area, but your mobile device is still going to operate. And so will our appliance. It's called a relay. It's a small black box that sits on the dash. And what will happen is the device and that, and that relay will store information. And there's a, a handshake of, of in, uh, that takes place between the two devices. Once you return into coverage, all the information that's been gathered will then sync up with the, with the host and everything will be back to the way it was. The little relay itself, so in the event, and we also came across this, a driver may lose their phone or it may stop working or the battery may die or they may smash it with a hammer. Um, and so what we had to do was build enough memory into that small appliance, the relay, so that we could store all the necessary information in there so that um, necessary compliance data would not be lost, um, and performance data for that matter. And we have enough memory in that device to store logbooks and um, necessary performance data for 30 days. So. Um, Definitely a legitimate concern, but it's something that is um, handled within the technology because, you know, our customers, um, you know, like you brought that up as a valid concern. Um, okay. Add to that, uh, the, how is a driver, if not in signal, able to access that information to make sure that they continue to stay in compliance on all levels? How are they, if they're, you know, out of signal range and they're not going to be in signal range for, hour, you know, possibly hours, how are they then to track their own progress uh, as far as, the, you know, their timing and all that other stuff? Sure. So when you first log in at the beginning of the day, there's a, um, a tech, again, there's a handshake between the mobile and what we call our SaaS, which is really the host, the website, or the database where all your data is. When that first login takes place, it's going to sync to your mobile device, your smartphone, the last seven days, eight days, or 14 days, depending on the rule set or jurisdiction you're driving in, and it will store that information locally. So if you're out of coverage, you can still go back seven days, eight days, 14 days, again, depending on jurisdiction, and retrieve those logs. You can make changes. You can go on duty. You can go off duty. You can go on duty not driving. You can make all those changes in your device, and our app will store those changes. The only thing that will differ is it won't be in sync with what is taking place in the host or database until you go back into coverage. And that's a real-life scenario that we come across often. We've built some checks and balances around what we call in the technology space caching, which is where we store data locally as well as remotely and have a, um, a structured handshake between the data so we're never missing anything. And about how many people um, are on this right now or are doing it this way? We have roughly 60,000 drivers today that are using this system with mobile devices. Some of the biggest right. fleets in the country and some of the, you know, smallest little owner-operator shops. Wow. Okay. Shelly, uh, I had to put you on mute because I was getting some background noise. Did you have anything else? Uh, not currently, and I do apologize. I have to use speakerphone right now because uh, the Bluetooth is dead. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's see. I'll. Uh, I'll. Well, okay. Well, you're sounding pretty good. I'm just going to leave your line open here for a little bit. Let's go to another caller. 
Uh, let's see, where is this one at here? Um, I think I know, but make sure. Uh, let's see, where am I at here? I'm scrolling. Boy, all the lines, I'm getting lost here. Uh, Colorado, area code 303. <laughs> Go ahead, you're on the show. How you doing tonight, Alan Adonis? Hey, I'm good. How you doing, Lee? I recognized your oh, voice. Well, the question I have is, with all with this technology, if a DOT officer asks for a hard copy of the logs, how do you get it? Yeah, that's a good question, and some of our customers often come across that. So, um, based on the rule, the way it's written, 395.8, which is the actual hours of service rule set, DOT inspectors and roadside en enforcement have to accept an electronic version of that record, and that's part of that 395.15 specification. What we have to do, and what you have to do as a driver, is provide them a piece of literature known as a cab card. And this is uh, simple instructions on how that law enforcement officer can retrieve um, your last seven, eight, or 14 days, depending on jurisdiction, rules uh, or, or results and logbook out of the system. Now, often, and I'm sure as you will know, Lee, better than me, some officers won't accept that. And what that will trigger in some cases is a citation against a driver, and it happens from time to time. We probably get five or six a month, which isn't bad considering we have, you know, over 120, 100, right around 120,000 subscribers. But what we need to do then is as you report that citation to your authority, we then have a group of people here at our company, and any reputable firm like us will have this, where we will go back and we will work with that jurisdiction to remove that citation. Um, and it does happen from time to time because, um, as you guys know, um, a big component to electronic logbooks isn't just how the drivers or fleets use it, but the ability and willingness for law enforcement to use it. So it's a well-known issue. Um, it's something that we see less and less of, Lee, but it's something. It's a valid concern, and uh, we we have to be able to address it. Well, the big well, one of the big ones is I I have run on the old system for Qualcomm, and yep. I have run on PeopleNet, and I have run on Zeta. Yep. I've run on all three systems with the electronic logs. Okay. The big one with, especially in Colorado, where they do not allow you to have a copy of it, or basically a fax sent to them, you have to go somewhere else to get the fax and bring it to them. And again, that that comes down to an education um, gap, likely within the, you know, the the officers and the, and the enforcement within Colorado. There are some jurisdictions that react differently. I, I don't know off the top of my head, Lee, you probably know better than I do as to how Colorado's um, Department of Transportation is, is set up. Um, I could definitely collect the information from um, our Vice President of Regulatory Compliance, and his job is to work at the state level um, with these enforcement officers to make sure that they have the right and they are educated. We also spend a lot of time going to the different state associations and educating them on our systems, which is a big part of this, and so do our competitors. Uh, I would say um, it's probably a combination of them not knowing, not being educated on um, how they should be able to accept an electronic uh, logbook, and it could be right down to the officer level where they're just you know, stubborn or not willing to. Well, a lot, a lot of what I've found is it's more at the officer level because yep. some of them will tell you they want to see a hard copy. 
they'll, and they'll tell you, you know, they'll make, they'll actually have you dig lots of pages up and pull with, you know, and put the information off of the, off of the system onto Longwood pages. And I, I've I've seen that there is a uh, there used to be a jurisdiction in Canada that had the drivers force it was uh, where it was written that they had to have a, a written on paper. And in the U.S., um, there are no more jurisdictions like that. Um, but there, you know, there it, it's possible, and we you know we hear it a lot. It is the officer level, and it's often the discretion of the officers to you know how they want to interact with. You know the, the driver, and 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 I think this Donna and and on Alan going back to the what does it mean to have an EOBR mandate? Again, it's not just about the driver, the fleet. It has a lot to do with law enforcement, and I would say law enforcement and government is probably the one that would have the hardest time enforcing um, the EOBR mandate more so than drivers or uh, you know fleet managers. No, I totally agree, and there was a, a another comment. Uh, on uh, Facebook, and I can't remember who wrote it. But a lot of all this is going to come down to uh, the regulations and the uh, FMCSA recognizing and then taking the next step and addressing these issues to resolve them, whether it be through law enforcement or whether it be through the actual uh, regulation of the EOBR. Um, they're going. They're going to have to change something uh, to recognize all these issues that drivers face on a daily basis, and then just kick them out one at a time and resolve them before this can really, you know, go into effect. And that's that's how I personally see it. Just reading, you know, all the comments and and just listening to these conversations. I mean, you would think that if there's a mandate that the people enforcing it would know how to enforce it. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, 101 type of deal. Um, So, I mean, these are the things I think that upset drivers uh, more than just the idea of having to have an EOBR. It's all the things they have to deal with, uh, you know, that, that just make life miserable. For them, and I wanted to ask um, Megan this question: <clears throat> Did you learn anything um, more, or did you know already about many of the issues that drivers face on the road that you could become um, more empathetic with their uh, career and their lifestyle? You mean from the convention? Yes. Because uh-huh. she was with them, and she spoke with them, and she listened to them. Yeah, she was all over the place. <laughs> yeah, so it, was just... definitely, it was definitely eye-opening hearing some of the stories and um, trying to think of any specific examples right now. Um, just the the long hours and um, Rick's talk about all the, the health concerns and, you know, issues finding healthy food and being able to get in fitness while you're on the road and just little things that I take for granted, you know, being able to stop at the grocery store on my way home from work and stop at the gym whenever I want. And all of these people who are delivering these goods to these stores for us, not having that same opportunity, it was, it was definitely eye-opening. Well, they, they have a lot of challenges, you know, but they're, you know, on the other side too, uh, you know, 
a lot of drivers, you know, they love what they do. And, I mean, there's a love and hate relationship, I guess, within the industry. I wanted to uh, give Shelly another chance. Uh, I had you on mute, Shelly. Did anything else come to mind? or? Well, another thing that did come in uh, that came to me was the CSA result. If a driver happens to be cited at one of these roadside inspections with EOBR and uh, the lack of training for the officer or other enforcement agencies, and then it is reported and they are written up and, uh, you know, on the DOT inspection report and then it gets transferred to CSA and their PSB and all this other alphabets that we have to report to, the driver is left kind of hung out to dry because uh, they've done their part. You guys have done their, you know, your part on, you know, trying to make the information available to them. But they're still incurring injury from these EOBRs through the different alphabets uh, that, right, you know, that they get numbers through. That's a good. It's a good point, Shelley. I mean, it, it, I think it comes down to full circle how the industry manages this. And you know, when we when we work on behalf of our customers to fight a citation that takes place or anything coming out of an audit, um, the the follow up is to ensure that those um, that those citations disappear from the ratings associated with CSA. So the 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 different infractions have to be eliminated from the system. And there are processes and procedures in place both with us um, as a company, as a provider of the technology, but also with our customers and how we interact and what some of the best practices are around ensuring that, you know, if uh, Shelley, if you were to receive one of these citations for, you know, not being able to produce, you know, to, um, to Lee's point, a, a paper copy of a log, that we have the ability to go um, back and follow up um, encircle back with the FMCSA to ensure that that record is deleted from the system and is no longer holding that driver um, in a negative position around that infraction. Now, okay, one, of the, one of the sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying thank you for responding to that. You're very okay, welcome. And, and Shelley, refresh my memory. Are you an owner operator or a company driver? No, I am a company driver that currently is enslaved by the PeopleNet e-log system. Okay. Uh, and, Lee, if you're still there, you're on operator? Yes. Yeah, okay. I, I I thought I'd try to keep all this in mind. I wanted to touch a little bit more, Christian, on on the owner-operator and XRS, uh, this uh, mobile fleet optimization, because, as you were saying earlier, I mean, if this EOBR goes through with a mandate, which, you know, it still isn't absolutely 100% positive that it will, but if it does, it's the owner-operator that's going to be eating this cost for the EOBR. Now, you have said that uh, XRS, that your mobile technology here, uh, I mean, I have it right. There's just a small relay device. I mean, it connects in like 10 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And you're saying the service is like thirty dollars a month? Is that what you said? It's mid thirty. So it run, today it's it's anywhere from thirty five to thirty nine dollars a month, depending on all the different services. So an owner okay. operator who would just be interested in hours of service, maybe pre trip, post trip inspection, some file, some mileage stuff. We would also file the owner operator's you know IFTA 
documentation um, across all the different jurisdictions, and that package is $35. So it's really when you get up into um, more feature functionality that some of the larger fleets would use associated with load assignments and some of the stuff that I'm sure um, Shelly is staring at, you know, on her PeopleNet system is how they're dispatching. Um, that's when you start to get up into the higher 30s. Okay, well, that's, uh, <laughs> I mean, compared to the cause of the EOBR, that's kind of a no-brainer. But now, so if you're using the the driver's uh, mobile device, you know, the smartphone or whatever, I mean, it, maybe I missed this, but is there there's some kind of software that has to be installed on, on the driver's uh, smartphone? Yeah, so there's an application that the drivers would download from, you know, the App Store, so from Google Play if they're running on Android. Um, and that app, once they download it, um, once registered with our system, so if the you know if the listeners just go download the app today, it won't, it won't do anything until they're a registered user. Um, but yeah, they download the app. It's no different than downloading Angry Birds, and you enter a username and a password. It registers you against a fleet or an operating authority, and um, you know you get pre-trip inspection, hours of service, post-trip inspection, and a really intuitive user interface. You know, the pinch and zoom type functionality we've all come to love on our, you know, uh, smartphones and the ability to look at a graph like, you know, law enforcement likes to see. A lot of the frustration with law enforcement, too, that we found is they don't want to climb in the truck and look at, you know, some something mounted to the dash. Um and they want to look at something that looks like paper because they understand what the paper is supposed to look like. So we've made everything look, you know, really like the book used to. Um, and we've made it as intuitive as possible. So, yeah, it's just an app just like Angry Birds. Well, yeah, I have another question. Uh, is there anywhere on your websites that you have uh, an FAQ of questions that drivers, uh, owner-operators, fleets, whoever – uh, would ask you what happens situation, and then you have you know uh, just like people are calling in tonight. Is there something available for them to to watch to to read? So there's there's a couple of different resources that we have available to drivers today. We have a website called eobr.com, and um, pretty easy to remember since it's probably one of the most hated acronyms in the transportation industry. So EOBR.com is really like a source of truth, if you will, of all the regulations. we got FAQs on there, you know, 20 myths about EOBRs. What is the reality of the funding? You know, how does it impact your score? What do you need to know as an owner-operator? we got a lot of good content on there, and it is an unbiased content. I mean, we have a little bit of our product stuff on there just associated with, you know, what is the new way of, you know, solving this problem, be it the mobility space. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a ton of good resources on there for your listeners. Um, we've got videos on there from, you know, the former administrator, Annette Sandberg, who wrote the current rule set 395.15 and 395.8. So there's, it's a good source. Now, for something more interactive, we have our social media outlets, which Megan talked about, Facebook, Twitter, you know, the different Google sites. We've got LinkedIn pages and all that kind of stuff, too. Um, but what we are building as a company, because I think it's something that's very important, um, and we'll be releasing it. It's a product called X Nation, and we'll be releasing it in January. And it is exactly what you're talking about, um, Donna, and that is a tool that is this interactive social tool for drivers, law enforcement, well, not so much law enforcement, but fleet managers, and our staff across the board to not only 
interact on product, meaning, you know, how do I do this better, or how do I locate a truck on the map, or how do I, you know, edit a logbook. But it's also, you know, what, how, what do I do in a, in a roadside inspection? What should I do if you know, X, Y, and Z happens? Right down to where's the cheapest gas? Where's the, you know, best meal that I can get in Kentucky tonight? You know, so we're really making more tools that are social-based, and this one's called XNation. It's going to be a real big basis for everything we do in the future, which is more about the community of drivers, you know, trying to not mimic, but um, we're really trying to duplicate what exists out there from a CB perspective, which is anything you want to say, any information you want to get that we're going to have somewhere for you to go, and you're going to be able to go get it there. You're going to be able to interact with information, users of technology, but also people that are, you know, on all sides of the fence. So I, I think it's going to be a great tool, and we expect to release it in January. Oh, that's that's great. And somebody will be there um, to, to answer questions or a situation that a driver is facing or has faced and, you know, how they get frustrated, and rightfully so, on many of these situations. Um, so it will be interactive like that? Yeah, it's going to be live. So and it won't just be, you know, XRS staff that's going to be there to help these drivers through these different situations, but it'll be other drivers. So, you know, oh, okay. you know, it may be it may be Shelley who's gone through a situation, you know, in Illinois where, you know, here's here's what the DOT, you know, roadside inspector, how they wanted, you know, to interact with her on a certain issue. Well, Lee travels through Illinois next Sunday and he's got a question because he's facing a similar situation and all of a sudden Shelley can help him. Um, and or someone from our company. So it's it's designed literally much like social networking where there there is no filters on it. We don't, you know, if a driver says, hey, XRS, your product, you know, should be red and it's blue or, you know, I hate you, we're not going to delete it. It's meant to be an open forum around how do we make a better community. So for us, it's making better products, but it's how do we drive efficiency and, you know, really how how do how do we better operate in the field. Well, Donna, that goes right along with the transparency that we're always talking about with social media. Exactly, and that was one of the most uh, important criteria that we based um, sponsorships on and people who were willing to be open and transparent. And we think we have uh, some of the best the best people representing what we're trying to achieve in the industry. And, you know, we're just so happy that you, you said that because we find the lack of transparency is a huge red flag in this industry. When uh, companies will, uh, you know, say they want to answer questions and they want to do this and they want to do that and then very openly delete, you know, uncomfortable uh, problems maybe somebody has with this company or organization or, or whatever it is, that is not transparent. You need to address that and uh, and it up. So I'm really happy to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. It's important for us too, and it's something that you know we we often face. You know, we'll get a blog from somebody. Someone will post something on our Facebook wall, and it'll be at two in the morning. And you know, I get up pretty early, and there'll be an email saying, "What do you want to do with this?" And I'm like, "Well, is it real?" And they're like, "Yeah." Then I'm like, "Well, <laughs> nothing you can do about it." Um, and that's really what it's all about: is that it's you know, if if something's not the way it should be, or it's perceived one way versus another, then that's someone's opinion, and it it should remain. Um, I also think, from our perspective. 
how we use social media and how we use our interaction with the driver community is much different than that of our competitors. Meaning, you know, we, we want, we're in the process now of putting together, you know, a driver experience board. We have one for fleets, which is an outlet for fleets to say, hey, XRS, this is what we want you to build and why. I want to build the same thing for drivers, and we've got several um, already on the list, and we want to grow that to be a really big team. The reason being is um, I, I strongly believe that in whatever the mandate ends up looking like and whatever the technology ends up having to be, it should only be a portion of whatever the solution these drivers have to interact with. And everything, Donna and Alan, you talked about that, you know, are either good things or bad things about being a professional truck driver in America is there's got to be a way that us as an organization with all the tools available to us and all the different things that we can build, how can we make it better? And it doesn't have to be about compliance. It could be how do I take a picture of a fuel receipt so I can upload it to your IFTA file so you don't have to track it anymore and worry about losing it. How can I send you, based on where you're at, discounts for food? Maybe it's free meals at X, Y, and Z place if you do a you know different different varying things. And I think that's where the future of technology and transportation is. It's not about Big Brother. It's about building tools that will make life easier for the driver on the road. And if one of those things just happens to be an electronic logbook, it'll be something that this industry will find themselves being able to manage through. If they make the mandate all about a single-purpose device that is there nothing to do nothing but, you know, track hours, it's going to fail for sure. It has to be something that's non-invasive that provides value to everybody within that supply chain. It can't be just for the government. Well, amen. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's refreshing to hear, huh, <laughs> Yeah, it is. And, and that was one of the um, in, instincts that, that we felt. Um, we had interviewed, um, you know, another company, and well, we just didn't feel that their um, – their how could I put their heart was uh, with the drivers and um, anyway so we're really glad that you guys are um, came on board with the truck driver convention supporting drivers and uh, I can't wait to see that new uh, website X Nation you said in January um, that's yep. that's gonna be a that's going to be really good and uh, much needed, I think, uh, for the industry because, you know, drivers have complaints or they have issues and they want to feel like, you know, somebody cares, somebody's listening, somebody wants to help us with this situation that we're in, and, and I think that's a good idea. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, I think it'll be great. Out. You know what? One of the things that I think will be important to that, too, is, you know, we need to drive traffic to that tool, not only for our users, but for the industry, because it's not just about people that are using our technology. It's about, you know, the industry. And I think it would be a good um, area for both Al and, and you, Donna, to have an influ not not just an influence, but maybe you should have a voice um, within within that product. I mean, I would I would have no issue with you guys being a contributor to the content. Well, definitely, we're um, Alan. I know you're gonna be looking at it, and I mean, you know, as far as I'm, I'm not a driver. I'm, I I know a lot of theory, and I read and I listen and all like that. But you know, it's the drivers who really live it day to day, and so um, I'm sure Alan will be on that. Um, yeah, you know, I do what I can, but you know, Christian, looking at your bio, it's about 20 pages long, so. <laughs> I, I I think he probably have a pretty good handle on things. 
Yeah, you know, we do. I think it's, it, um, you know, the it, 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 a lot of it has to do with, you know, what do the people want to hear? And, I mean, we're going to talk a lot about technology. We'll talk a lot about the industry. We'll certainly grab a lot of, you know, um, you know who's who and, and how to accomplish different tasks based on where we are. I think a big part of it is going to be um, having the driver community trusted as a true open forum. Um, and for that to take place, as you guys know, within social media, it takes time and something that we have no problem making the investment in. And Megan and her team's hard work with what we've done so far with Facebook and other places by not having filters on it and having it be a true, you know, uh, um, outlet. For, well, I think for I think industry. what you're saying is the the trust element has to be there um, because you know, people have to feel comfortable if they're if they're in any kind of chat room or forum or anything uh that the information they're receiving you know is is real it's valid it's true and it's in their best interest and i i think that's a, a main component uh that's really what we were trying to establish this this kind of circle of trust we called it um you know in Kansas City and uh, i i think you know once once trust is established um, I, I think it's it's there to stay. I mean, it, that's just the way it is. But sometimes it does take a long time to establish that, unless you do have you know people who um, or who have already uh, endorsed it or something like that. Right. Yeah. And, and I, that's kind of. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. That's fine. No, I was just going to say I think a lot of that has to do too with. You know, a lot of it has to do with the content um, and what people are getting out of it. So, as you guys know in social media, it's everything is about content. It's about being active, and you can't, you know, you know, you can't just reach out once a day. You've got to be, and you got to engage your listeners and your um, your followers so that you are a credible source of not just, you know, open honesty as far as what you're going to share, but you're reliable that you will respond. Um, and you know, sometimes we got to respond to some things we don't want to, but we have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's part of it. That's the new world of social media, and it's very, very uncomfortable for many people. I mean, you know, it, it's just the way it is. But uh, you know what? What we found anyway, because you know, nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to have all the answers. Nobody knows everything. Uh, but uh, when when you're you sincerely want to help people and make their life easier and you're looking out for them uh as best as you possibly can you know people see that uh they they can read through it and then you you kind of coordinate with other people and network and network's a big word um very important and you get other people who do know so once you get a group together who knows uh, a lot of different things, and then all of a sudden you have a, a good source of information and content. And that's, you know, that's the way I see it. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, Tara, our time's winding down. I want to give um, Shelly and Lee one last opportunity if something came to mind. Shelly, if you're still there, did anything else pop in your mind? Actually, um, I don't want to ruffle any feathers and, uh, you know, really start something here, but I do have a question about XRS and the X Nation supporting women in trucking, uh, being, one, you know, being in the sponsorship. Do you take into account the, uh, the current state of drivers 
that are not happy with uh, what they feel is sponsors selling out the lady drivers or ladies within the whole industry, brokers, mechanics, all that stuff, when this particular institution is not uh, as transparent as you are trying to be. Yeah, and you know what? I think, Shelley, there's probably a couple of different answers for that, and I think it's no different than in any industry. Um, and I think as transportation evolves, I mean, we're, we will come across an era where we do have younger drivers. Right now we've got a pretty steam mixture of, and, a, and a lot of men in this industry. It just happens to be the case of it. But, I mean, if I, you know, walk down the halls of a lot of really big trucking companies, you know, on a weekly, daily basis, and there's a lot of women popping up. And it's because they're great contributors. They understand the business. They're very well-educated. They, um, you know, and, and I think what it ends up being is, um, again, it's that transparency um, and 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 openness around it. And I think, you know, no different than, you know, you know, women in trucking and um, whether it's as a driver or as someone in management, it's something that, that I see more and more. Um, I hope we continue to see it more and more. We, um, we, we did a, a number of different things, um, you know, relating to, um, you know, the Breast Cancer Awareness Month and, and different things we can do to help, you know, not only women in, in trucking, but also the, the wives of other, you know, men that are driving and trucking. So I think it's, it's not so much about barriers and gender as it is just about overall how do we interact as a, as a community. I don't know if I answered that or if I just blabbered on, but it felt it felt good. <laughs> uh, no, I got that. You know, you ask a ask a driver a question, they're gonna they're they're gonna speak their mind. So, but no, that was fine, Lee. If you're still there, give you one last opportunity. Anything? Another question pop into your mind? No, no other questions popped in. Um, All Kari, right. Kari asked oh. me to you know let him know that if. You know, if he needed help with content, that we'd be willing to help with with content for the web page. If you know, if there was no problem with that. And just so, and just uh, Christian, just so you know, Kari and Lee, um, Kari was the Making a Difference Award winner this year. They have the Missing Truck Driver Alert Network, and that app uh, on your iPhone is now available. So that might be something that you guys want, might want to network on also. Um, that's a, a, a huge thing that, I mean, within a matter of months it had thousands of followers and and uh, now um, a, a developer, Liam Carolyn, put together a, an app for missing truck drivers. So if there's a truck driver missing, uh, it will go on everybody's phone and there will be a national lookout for that truck. Uh, so... Um, that Lee Lee is Kari's husband, and together, you know, they were at the convention. Like I said, she won the award for her missing truck driver work, uh, uh, network. So, just to let you know, I think that, yeah, yeah, I think that would be great, and I think it would be something definitely worth. Um, and that's one of the benefits of this, you know, one device doing many things. Whether it's you know, um, you know, missing drivers or hours of service or Angry Birds, it comes down to how can we use these devices to make life on the road better. Um, and, you know, I, I would be open to discussing what does it look like to build some of that functionality into the hands of, you know, 120,000 drivers because it's right, important to everybody. Right. And this is and just now about... that I know who, oh, sorry, 
now that I know who Lee is, I can definitely get you an answer um, on that issue about Colorado. I'll look into it, and I know we are linked up on Twitter and probably Facebook, too. So I now know how to get in touch with you. Thank you. Oh, okay. Okay, and I tell you, let's. I, I know uh, you guys got to go. I I had some more callers way down here. I didn't see. Let's grab one more caller real quick before we have to go. But uh, let's just sure. jump over to Missouri, area code three one four. Go ahead, you're on the show. Hi, Alan and Donna. This is Dee. Um, hey, Dee. Hi, guys. I I I have kind of a quest a, a twist on Shelley's question. I think you kind of not. I am really impressed with your theory of the transparency within the industry. I am truly and thankful for that, and I'm impressed with that. However, I think kind of what Shelley was getting at is you are associated with a few entities that those of us that are women, lady drivers and a few other, just us being professionals, know are not transparent and tend to be shady. So that is a concern for us. And, and by 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 that, do you mean um, different trucking companies that are less apt to hire female drivers? Is that what you mean? That is one of them. Also, there are um, women in trucking do not they're not transparent, and they have kind of been they've not been a good entity in supporting us and showing us favorably. They've covered up several different things. I don't want to get into the politics of it, but they are not transparent. And it it troubles us that know the truth. You know, I I mean, I'm not real sure exactly how to explain it. However, we don't trust them because of the things that we know. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you can't shut the door on everybody. I understand that. But... How can we know that you're above board completely and totally when you have these other entities that we know are not? Yeah, so that's a good question. I mean, one of the things that I will tell you, I mean, being the one that's ultimately responsible for, you know, social media and our product and, you know, our end customer experience, is we have never, ever deleted anything off any of our social media outlets ever. We've had some really nasty stuff sent on there, you know, said on there about us about their employers, about the industry, I mean, um, myself personally. And, you know, um, and as much as I want to delete it, you know, Megan won't let me, but kidding aside, um, <laughs> we we have pure transparency. And, and although um, we may have to some degree a relationship with the organization Women in Trucking, I mean, social media to us is not about, you know, who is responding on the other end. It should be, in many cases, anonymous. It's more about the content that's being shared. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I would challenge any of your listeners, including UD and uh, Lee and Shelley, um, you know, be active within our social media, and you'll see that to be true. Um, you know, we, we obviously don't want to have tons of profanity floating around on there, but at the same time, it's, it, it, we, we're not going to side with industry or government um, in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I may take a couple jabs at OIDA from now and then just because it's fun. But, um, you know, it, it, it is about transparency, and it's just, you know, we're, we're all here for the same reason. Um, we just want to use social media, and we want to use, you know, the drivers as a conduit to build better products, not 
filter them and only work with their operations and safety and management teams. That's the difference. Yeah, and you know that just comes that just comes with social media. I mean, you know, Donna, we uh, we've had our share of attacks, and and uh, I think most people know where we stand. So I mean, it's, it's just a, it's just a part of social media that uh, just isn't going to go away. Yeah, at one thing, I mean, you guys are probably even. We don't allow um, trans. Uh, what do you call uh, profanity on our page? Once people start with that, um, their comment is deleted. So I guess you guys even allow more than we do. But um, or if people like get really mean to another person, you know, name calling. Um, you know, we just figure it's our page, and we're not going to allow. We're not going to allow that. <laughs> but to put an open and honest comment or how you feel or, you know, what your opinion is, use a fact, then, you know, you, you do have to leave certain comments up. I totally I totally agree with that. But I don't blame you at all uh, when it comes to the profanity. I mean, I just don't see where where it, you know, enforces any kind of statement at all. <clears throat> Well, we'll uh, we'll plug along here, and uh, you know anybody who comes on uh, Truth About Trucking Live, uh, you know uh, my hats off to them. So because you, you never know what they're going to be hit with. But listen, I know your your website xrscorp.com and uh, X Nation rolling out in January. Now, did you say that was xnation.com? I'm not sure what the URL is going to be, Alan. Um, you'll okay. see a press release go out. We'll, we'll announce it to the world once it goes out. Uh, I don't want to say one way or the other. Another good resource that I mentioned um, today is EOBR.com, and that's one that I think would uh, make a lot of sense for your listeners to poke around on. There it is, EOBR.com. Okay. Well, listen, thanks again for coming on the program. And, uh, uh, Megan, good to hear from you again. And you are um, X Nation on Facebook and uh, XRS on uh, Twitter? XRS Corp on Twitter. XRS Corp on Twitter. Are you on Twitter, Megan? Because I tried to, um, you know, look you up. I couldn't find anything. I am. I'm Megan Durkee. On and on Facebook, the same thing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, are yeah. we following one another though? I, we may not be. No, That's I'm what not you'll sure. You'll have to find I... out, Donna. Yeah, I'll look into it. Okay. Well, listen, guys, th- thanks again, oh. and I uh, appreciate there's a lot of great information, and uh, I think you've got a great product, and, again, you know, your already large customer base speaks for itself, so uh, we'll be watching this mandate, and and XRS doesn't make the regulations, but uh, you guys are on top of the technology and offering transparency, and so good stuff. Appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for including us. Thanks so much for having us, guys. Thank you. All right, thanks. And um, well, that's a lot of information. You know that I, I was wanting to get more, you know, into that relay device because I was reading on their website. You know, it, it like connects in ten minutes. But you know, when you take the price of EOBRs, because really, you know, I'm I'm kind of looking at the owner operator side of this, and they have to spend the two three thousand dollars for EOBR, whatever it is, and then uh, they just get the software on their phone. The relay device connects in ten minutes, and uh, you know. 30 35 bucks a month they're ready to go i mean that that savings uh sounds pretty good to, good to me as an owner operator well that that takes care of the the cost issue and i think what um i was glad to hear that you know they are listening to all these uh 
and recognizing all the issues that drivers are going through as far as the uh, uh, harassment, um, you know, e- everything. I mean, you know, the, the dispatch, uh, shippers, receivers, detention, the whole nine yards. So they're, it's not just a product. I'm really looking forward to this X Nation um, website in January that's going to address all the problems um drivers are having and and it's going to be open to pretty much everybody including law enforcement so um well, I, i'm going to check that eobr.com because i didn't even know about that i didn't either that site so i want to look that over too but you know i think that megan's on top of that social media they're more involved in social media than i even realized i know and i think it's important that people just don't try to profit um, off of uh, off of a mandate or something, and that they're they're saying, okay, you know, we have the product, but uh, but we also want to address the issues, and I, I, to me that means a lot, and that's one of the reasons I think that um, attracted us uh, initially uh, to, with them. So, you know, I'm real I'm real happy uh, that we had them on the show to explain all this because I know a lot of drivers have a lot of questions. And I hope uh, they had answers tonight. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it was a good show. Well, I tell you, let's see, 35 minutes, 18 seconds. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, Donna is up with her announcements to catch us up, to catch us uh, all up on what's been happening because it's been a while. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Truth About Trucking live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live and AssetTrucker.com with an important message for owner operators and fleet owners. Hodgeon Incorporated is a company that makes the Dynasys APU, and if you're considering an auxiliary power unit for your truck but thought you just couldn't afford it, you need to talk to the Dynasys guys about their all new financing program. The Dynasys APU saves fuel and provides AC, heating, plug in power, all of those comfort necessities you deserve when you have to shut down for your mandatory break. It's definitely the smart way to be comfortable and save money. Their finance program is designed to make your monthly payment nearly half of what you're spending on fuel with their goal of making APUs available for every hardworking driver. They realize that times are tough and that credit is hard to come by, so they offer full credit plans giving all owner-operators and fleet owners a guaranteed financing opportunity. They can even get you hooked up with grants that can cover APU costs as well. Give them a call at 1-800-289-8282. Toll free 1-800-289-8282 or just Google search Dynasys APU. Visit them online at hodjohn.com. That's H-O-D-Y-O-N.com. The Dynasys APU, the best solution to engine idling. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Now, back to the show. 
Donna, you know, I learned one thing from the convention. What's that? That it's not Hodjon, it's Hodion. I know. I... Now, I've been saying that for two years, and uh, <laughs> nobody told me. You, I, you know, you would think I would know the sponsor's name. Well, I'm in the same uh, boat, and I, I know I, I realized it also. So um, sorry, <laughs> David, <laughs> David Hancock. He was uh, he was at the convention, and uh, I guess when we heard his uh, his presentation, I guess we both caught it, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I heard from the CEO Hodion, and I thought, oh wow, I've been saying that <laughs> I've been pronouncing it wrong all this time. All right, Hodion.com. I'm gonna have that. I'm gonna have that corrected and changed on the next show, but. All right, it's uh, it's been a while, Donna. So catch us all catch us uh, all up here. Okay, well, um, as you know, uh, the convention, uh, everybody who was there, it was uh, it was a huge success. We all just were thrilled with it. Uh, well, tremendous amount of energy, tremendous amount of networking. Um, we sent a, a newsletter out actually um, today uh, with some highlights. There's videos up. Um, I don't know if you're if you receive our newsletter, but uh, if not, we're going to have a, a new sign up form on the Trucking Social Media website. You just go to truckingsocialmedia.com and sign up. You'll get all the updates of uh, what happened in the previous convention, uh, the one we just you know finished in Kansas City, and then all the up and coming for 2013. Also, so you want to uh, make sure you sign up on that, but. Um, we 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 have our videos. We have the articles. Is oh boy, there's about 15 articles up already uh, about it. Uh, both on uh, Overdrive has a slew of them. Landline Magazine has a couple of them. Uh, we have uh, about four of them on the Examiner, and uh, another one scheduled to go up on Ask the Trucker. So uh, anyway, it was great. We want to thank everybody who was there, who made it such a such a huge success, and we're just thrilled to death, and we're looking forward to next year. On that note, um, a lot of what was uh, spoken about at the convention from both Rich Wilson, our regulatory speaker, and Elaine Papp of the FMCSA, was the encouragement of drivers to be involved on the uh, FMCSA website as far as your input for proposed rules, uh, for, 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 the, for the mandates, rules, for the regulations, all about the, the, new, the new medical registry that's coming up. It's all on their website. And Elaine Papp uh, said, you know, we want to hear your comments. And if you have something to say about either a, you know, a proposed rule or whatever is going down the pike, we want to hear it. And not just say something like, and I remember her saying this, I don't like it, it's not good. You know, you have to give information. So <clears throat> we, we really are going to be on a, uh, 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 on a goal to get people more involved uh, everybody has a smartphone or or a computer. Uh, be, technology is just you know off the charts right now. So there's no reason not to be involved, especially uh, if you want things to change. And the only way they're going to change is for people to hear you. So the the website would be, and it's real simple. It's uh, www.fmcsa.dot.gov. 
and you get on there and you look and you click on. It's really pretty easy to navigate. Um, I think they've done an update on it. So uh, that that's the thing that I wanted to take away from the convention and to strongly suggest everybody get involved with that. Um, again, I want to congratulate all our winners uh, that we had. We had, let's see, for the Pride in Your Ride, first place was Dan Braun for his truck. And then we had um, Shelly Lichty was second place for her truck. And Lee Fisher was third place. And they got some really neat prizes from Cobra Electronics and a trophy from Dan Harmon of Riggs and Rides Magazine. And uh, then we had our winner. Everybody knows. Kari Fisher of the Mississippi Truck Driver Alert Network did win the Hope, um, the Jason Rivenberg Making a Difference Award. So we want to congratulate them again, and we're glad everybody's home safe uh, with that. Um, There was an announcement today, and of course, you know, we had the cake and the celebration uh, over uh, for Jason's Laws in the Transportation Bill. And by the way, it was the best cake I ever ate in my life. I don't know if anybody else felt that way, but wow, I was talking to somebody today, and and I was telling them, oh, boy, was that a good cake. <laughs> we'll have to get the same recipe, the same cook for next year uh, on that one. Uh, but anyway, uh, in, in today there was a, a, a press release. And on Thursday, December 6th, uh, from 2 to 3.30 p.m., uh, let's see, is that Eastern time? Yes, that's Eastern time from 2 to 3.30 p.m., there's going to be uh, a webinar on truck parking issues and opportunities, and uh, participants will need access to the Internet and telephone. Uh, it's free registration. And just go to the website, www.freightmobility.com, and uh, it'll give you all the instructions to be a part uh, of this webinar on the truck parking issues and opportunities. And this was, I think this is from the um, the DOT. It, it's from Arlington, Virginia. I'm just going to read through uh, recent improvements in industry economics. Has put more trucks and freight on the nation's roads and highways, but at the same time the government budget shortfalls have reduced the number of truck parking, which of course we all know that. And um, And the spaces available to truck drivers in need of staging and rest. Truck parking as an industry concern appeared for the first time ever on ATRI's Top Industry Issue Survey of 2012. So this might be something that everybody wants to uh, uh, participate in. Um, Again, December 6th from uh, 2 to 3 p.m. And let's see, that website is www.fm freightmobility.com and we're going to put that up it's on our page on Facebook but we're also going to um to put it up uh, on Twitter and you can you can click on the link from there if you're interested as you know I mean we had Congressman Tonko on and the fight for for parking isn't over yet and we try to tell people this because even though it is a national priority uh, we're going to have to get involved with it because once it's established that certain states uh, need parking, uh, that the funding that is available for this 
uh, we're going to have to make sure ourselves that that funding is indeed spent on the parking. So we're going to be keeping up on this and, you know, not just a big hooray, it's in the transportation bill and it's over. Uh, sorry to say it, it, it isn't going to work that way. Uh, if you want to hear the replay, um, it was about, I don't know, Alan, about a month or two ago, uh, Congressman Tonka was on and he spoke about what we need to do right. uh, with the parking. So anyway, you can listen to that. Um, other than that, um, again, uh, as far as the Missing Truck Driver Alert Network, there is an app for your iPhone and Android. So you can download that. I really don't know where to send you for that other than the Missing Truck Driver Alert Network. I think the download links are on there now, um, either that or I just went to my app store on my iPhone and uh, typed in, I believe, M MTD Alert. I think that's what I typed in, and I downloaded it. It was pretty simple to download. So um, other than that, Alan, uh, I don't have anything anything new to say. I don't know if did you think of anything. No, I think you got it all right. So that's it? That's it. Well, all right then. That will do it for this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. Be sure to bookmark us and add us to your favorites and join us on our blog at askthetrucker.com as well as our Facebook and Twitter pages. Uh, the links can be found on the truthabouttrucking.com website, and we'll leave you with from the When the Big Rigs Don't Roll CD by alanairsproductions.com with John Johnson performing Big John's Coming to Town. So have a great Thanksgiving, everybody, and until next time, on behalf of Donna Smith and Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith. Drive safe, and thanks for listening. Pulled up to Rose's truck stop outside of San Antonio. Thought I stepped out of my cab into the twilight zone. Truckers all around me looked at me and stared. I even saw one cross himself and say a little prayer. A waitress grabbed my arm and whispered, What you having, dear? I just whispered back to her, what's going on in here? Somebody yelled, a woman screamed, someone fired a gun. Skinny cook hollered, Big John's coming, save yourself and run. Don't hesitate, contemplate, save yourself and don't slow down. Don't grab your stuff, ain't time enough, Big John's coming to town. 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 I looked down the street, couldn't believe my eyes. A wild man in a Peterbilt, a cougar by his side. Snacks were blowing flames when he locked those air brakes down. Big Cat followed him inside just like he was a hound. Man gave me the evil eye, shuffled by me like a bear. Grabbed six cans of Red Bull and downed them with a stare. Drank hot coffee from the pot, never blinked an eye. Right there on that spot that day, I thought I would die. 
Don't hesitate or contemplate. Save yourself and don't slow down. Don't grab your stuff, ain't time enough. Big John's coming to town. Big John's coming to town. Tossed a three-pound steak into a frying pan Turned it once and turned it twice Grabbed it with his hand Ate it all with habaneros Finished it with a belch Flames flashed from his smoking lips Breath as hot as hell Then he turned and looked me in the eye With a crooked grin Right there on that spot that day I thought it was my end Big man said, do you know me? i never seen you around Stranger, we both better get out Big John's coming to town Don't hesitate or contemplate Save yourself and 